Hello, fellow road trippers, and welcome to episode 11 of the RV Connects podcast. If you're a new listener, welcome. If you're returning, we're always happy to have you with us. And we are Melina and Dan. Hello. And together with our teen and tween, we talk about all things RV, including tips, travel advice, and tricks to make sure you're getting the most out of your RV travels. We make a point of traveling far. So whether you're in Toronto, Dallas, Calgary, or Washington State, there will hopefully be something that interests you in the show. Today, we are talking about RV resorts, or I guess more specifically explaining to Canadians what a true RV resort is, what to expect when you stay at one, and why we think they're worth the money. And I guess for our American listeners, you'll discover why there aren't so many RV resorts in Canada. So I guess we'll dive right into it, Dan. Why aren't there so many RV resorts in Canada? Well, I think what everybody needs to remember, and we've talked about this before, is that the camping season or the RV season in Canada is a lot shorter. And so best case scenario, it runs from the end of May till maybe Labor Day. If you've got a heater, you can maybe push that a few weeks and get out to Thanksgiving. But what I would tell you is that most of the time, or for most of the year, really, those those places, those RV resorts are locked up tight. There's nobody in them, nobody's there over the winter, and so there's no revenue. So if you're going to put a lot of money into building a really glamorous RV resort, it doesn't pay to put that in Canada because the owner is not going to make their money back because they can't run that, you know, 10, 11, 12 months of the year to get the revenue back out of it. So, you know, if you've never been down to the U.S. and seen some of their resorts, and we'll talk about it, they are a glamorous site for sure. I definitely get really excited to go down to a U.S. RV resort. And I think how I would describe it, it's more in in tune with having the type of amenities you would find at a four-star resort as opposed to a normal campground or an RV park. So when we talk RV resorts, I guess maybe it makes more sense to kind of explain differences between the parks as we see them because... RV parks may be called RV resorts, but RV resorts aren't necessarily RV parks. And if that sounds confusing, it'll make sense when we kind of explain. Kind of like I consider that there's like three tiers of camping um, when you have an RV. And of course, there's, you know, backcountry camping and canoe camping and all that kind of stuff. But when you're camping in an RV or a travel trailer, you've basically got campgrounds, you've got RV parks, and then you've got RV resorts or like luxury RV properties. So campgrounds is more like what? Provincial park, state park type camping. Yep. And you might have, you know, some unserviced sites. You may have some electrical only sites. Maybe if you're lucky, you can get electrical and water. But generally speaking, I think it's more the traditional type camping. There's not a lot of other facilities. Maybe you'll, you know, get a sports field and some bike riding, but you wouldn't expect to see big fancy pools or games rooms or stuff like that. Right. So the focus is more kind of on the nature aspect of camping. And then you've got RV parks, which, you know, some of them are seasonal, some of them aren't. But to an RV park, it's kind of like the middle of the range, like they have more amenities, they might have a basic pool, and they have a, you know, expanded playground area. And they might even have some organized activities for the kids or hay rides or or something like that. But with RV parks, I guess, the biggest thing is it's not a specific standard of resort. So no matter where you travel, you might find questionable bathrooms or smaller laundry facilities or unclean facilities. And some of them are maybe super old, but like the most well-maintained RV parks you've ever seen. And we've certainly stayed at a ton of those. But I guess the biggest difference is the price point. Like you're going to have a more mid-level price point 
at what's considered an RV park, but you're going to have full hookups. And they really run a big range. And we found that in some of our travels is that they range anywhere from $25 a night right up to $65 a night. And so there's a wide range of services. But like Melina said, just because it's old doesn't mean it's necessarily unclean or, or run down. Some of the best ones we've been to have been extremely well maintained despite being aged. But one of the reasons we want to talk about this now is that we're trying to set up some of the conversations later in the podcast season where we talk about some of our trips into the U.S. and the planning and help you guys understand better what we're talking about and what you can be looking at when you're getting into some of your RV planning apps and stuff over the winter that you know a little bit of what to look for when you're into reviews and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I would say the type of RV resorts quote unquote, that we stay at that are more of the luxury properties, you're going to find them more in a 70 to like $100 a night and up price point. They are not cost effective to stay at every single time you're going to travel. And certainly, as Dan mentioned, we're actually just going to start a four episode series on our recent Route 66 road trip that's going to take you all across the continent and back. And we're going to talk about some of the different properties we stay at. And certainly, we definitely wouldn't have been able to afford to stay at some of these luxury properties the entire trip like a lot of that was boondocking and you know cheaper rv parks or family-owned entities we didn't do a lot of state park or national park camping on that trip because it wasn't the design of that trip for us but what we did is we strategically picked a couple of places where we knew we were going to spend a few days not too many days to kind of have that taste of luxury there's never enough great days of luxury people out there which is why i get so excited about them but they're a great place to recharge and and kind of collect everybody together and get set up for the next trip down the highway. Mm -hmm. Some of the things you might want to keep in mind, like I said before, RV resorts are kind of luxury properties, right? You're not going to see dirty bathrooms. You're not going to see broken laundry machines at an RV resort. You're going to see more resort style pools, adult only areas, you know, huge hot tubs, lazy rivers, that type of thing. I guess they're more of a destination as opposed to just a place to lay your head, right? They cater to larger rigs. And some things you might want to keep in mind if you're going to book them is that some of them do have certain policies or certain exclusions. And some of those might be you can't stay there if your trailer is older than a certain number of years. Some of them have minimum length requirements. They don't allow hybrid trailers. Um, You know, they have certain policies about what you can and cannot do on your site. And if that sounds all very snooty and restrictive, I think we've only had one. And I think it was the one in Las Vegas that where our trailer had to be newer than 15 years old. And other than that, the only other restrictive policy was that there was two of them on the last big trip we took that required us to have the sewer hose support. And that was like, so that it doesn't kill their grass and you have the right slope and it's not stinky and all that kind of stuff. So we're not sitting here explaining to you that we're snooty two shoes over here and we only stay at fancy resorts. That's not it at all. I mean, there certainly are those resorts out there. We use road trippers extensively. And maybe I should talk about that a little bit. Road trippers is just to me, it's second to none when you're planning a longer road trip for a number of reasons. But their review system is really robust. And it's all user based reviews. So uh, we can go in and pick waypoints that we're going to choose at to stop. And then we can read those reviews, good, the bad, and the ugly, and we can find out what their true policies are, how they treat people who are coming to stay there and decide if it's the type of environment that we want to bring our family to. So that being said, we use Road Trippers Plus, which is the paid option of Road Trippers. The free option, you can certainly plan trips, but you're you're maxed out at eight 
waypoints. So for reference, when we did our Route 66 trip that we're going to be talking about in the next couple of episodes, we had 28 waypoints. And that was only between places we stopped to stay the night or sightseeing places that we were we wanted to make sure that we hit or landmarks. So you can put way more than that. Like normally, if there's like a restaurant or a diner that I'm really keen to eat at, we will put that on as a waypoint. So you can easily, you know, stack up the waypoints and the plus option allows you up to 150 waypoints. You can also use the maps offline, which was really important to us if we didn't have coverage, or it was spotty coverage, you know, in the middle of the desert, we can still access uh, maps offline, you have live traffic conditions, Um, you can input your specific RV or travel trailer weight and length and all of that. And it will help you calculate mileage costs, which was super, super helpful when we were trying to kind of do this huge trip on a budget. Those are the reasons we kind of chose the plus version. But certainly if you want to try the free version, it is out there. Um, One of the other great things I like about it is I will use it to plan an entire trip. But if we find ourselves, you know, in a city for a couple of days, so let's say Chicago or Montreal or wherever we happen to be, Road Trippers has really great trip guides that are already pre-planned. So and it's called the 48 hours in series. So it's like, oh, you have 48 hours in Montreal. Here's what you should do in the two days that you're here. And it kind of, you know, gives you waypoints that you could visit in a two day time span. So I find something like that really, really awesome if we've never been to a city before and we only have a few days to visit. They also have the same thing for highway guides like scenic routes, historic points. Like you can just kind of pick any number of pre-filled trip guides and do a lot of like day trips that way, which I think is just really fantastic. With all of that being said, if Road Trippers Plus is something that you want to look into in the show notes, I've put a coupon code that will give you $5 off. It's $29.99 a year, honestly, which I think for the amount of times that I spend and plan current trips and future trips that are just sitting in our queue waiting to be taken. I think it's totally worth it. So um, you do get $5 off that price. So check out the show notes and you can take advantage of that coupon code as well. So let me offer a couple of quick thoughts from my perspective, because, you know, Melina does a lot of the good planning and the research and, you know, she's a very methodical, organized thinker and I'm a bit of a just jump in the seat, let's go and figure it out along the way. So God bless Melina for that. But if some of this sounds intimidating, that going to an RV resort has too many rules or you're trailer or your rig has to be a certain height or a certain age. I I hope that you don't find that too intimidating. A couple words of advice, I would tell you, look into the rules and call ahead. There's usually a solution or clarification. The other thing I would tell you is after you understand what the rules are and what it is you're trying to do, I don't want people to leave this episode thinking that you pull into an RV resort and you have to wear khaki pants and a collared (laughs) shirt around. Like anybody who knows me that I'm a pretty relaxed guy, maybe too relaxed and rest assured you can wear your favorite RV shorts and a good clean t-shirt and your sandals and enjoy yourself and just enjoy the little things. Like there's nothing better I love doing at an RV resort than just walking up and down the roads and looking at people's really fancy trailers and RVs and setups and things of like that. People are really friendly. They're, I don't think we've been to one where kids haven't been really enjoyed themselves or been welcome because we picked the right one. So I don't want anybody to find this intimidating. I think that's a good point because I probably didn't express that so well. Like jeans is fancy for Dan. Like, let me put it that way. He spends most of his time in track track pants and shorts and like hoodies. So yeah, we are not, we are not fancy 
pants type of people. And when he says there's a workaround, there really is workarounds. Like there's a lot of places where it says, okay, you can't stay here if your rig's older than 15 years old. And a lot of times people are, people might have like a classic RV and it's 35 years old and they will just say, look, I called ahead and they just said, hey, just email, email us a picture of your rig. And as long as it's in good shape, yeah, no problem. Come on in. And I think the problem is it, it stems not so much as like a classist issue, but the fact that sometimes people will bring in broken down rigs and they will break and they will just leave them there and they will walk away because they aren't worth anything. And then it's a liability and a cost for the RV resort to have to deal with somebody to come and tow this thing off the site. So that's kind of where it stems from. It's certainly not meant to be like exclusionary. And we certainly haven't found that. But maybe the best place to kind of give you the full picture is to review a couple of places that we've stayed that we would consider these RV type resorts that have those, you know, hotel type amenities. And then you can kind of see why we like them and why they might be worth the cost. And I would say maybe we start with Ocean Lakes Family Campground in Myrtle Beach, which is definitely, definitely an RV resort based on the amenities alone. This was amazing, folks. This was this sucked me right into RV resorts and what they could be. And we rolled in the gates with a 29-foot trailer. And keep in mind, there were trailers that were in the 20-foot, and there were some tent trailers, and there were even some people on tent sites. But these, they, by and large, had mega trailers in there, you know, 35-foot fifth wheels and huge motorhomes. It was just amazing. And they have an, an amazing water park with water slides and a pool, and they've got bingo games at night for the kids and the most amazing marriage saving service called pizza delivery by golf cart so you phone them up and they will deliver a pizza to your campsite by golf cart and the kids just thought that was the greatest novelty and i think it just helped us because we probably rolled in about nine o'clock at night absolutely Mm -hmm. starving so you were right off the ocean just an amazing experience that got me hooked and just everything was great right from the the check-in which actually arrived at the house Mm -hmm. before we left you don't actually stop at the front gate to talk to a person which was fantastic especially being in Canada like we that surprised us that we would get this package in the mail that that had the map it already highlighted where our site was you're basically pre-checked in they basically say proceed to your site you know it was just a really fantastic really well done experience and when Dan's talking about pools and water parks and eateries and all that like they legit have eateries they have cafes they have like a breakfast window you can go up and get you walk up and get a coffee and a breakfast sandwich in the morning which we did which is right beside like an outdoor amphitheater stage where they bring in like Polynesian dancers once a week and bands and singers to come entertain people and back to the pools thing like pools plural like there is there is a a fairly large indoor pool there's a huge outdoor pool there was a lazy river they had like mat racers you know where you lay on the mats and like race each other down the water slide they had other water slides they had a fairly robust water park and you're right beside the ocean as well they have a really good uh, mini golf course Uh, They have a nature center there, a staffed nature center that has like a discovery lab and they have exhibits and baby alligators and, uh, you know, people to answer your questions and tell you all about the flora and fauna and animal life uh, in Myrtle Beach. Gosh, what else? Yeah, he mentioned bingo. Uh, there is an on-site RV service center there. So they do they do sales, they do service, they do storage. If you have a problem with your RV on your site, they will send a tech to your site to have a look at it. Like they, the, these are the type of amenities you talk. Like the, the laundromat was like a full-scale, like city-sized laundromat, spick and span, totally clean and not very expensive. Like when I compare the prices of doing laundry and that's that's it too, is we, when we, when we stay at some of these RV resorts, that's kind of my stop to do laundry. And I will tell you the fees for doing laundry at, 
the RV resort we stayed at in Las Vegas was like ridiculous compared to what I paid in Myrtle Beach. So for value for money, definitely there. You can do bicycle rentals. They do like a live church service, a non-denominational church service every Sunday at nine. That's something amenity-wise, which we thought was really amazing. So maybe let's skip forward to Las Vegas. So this is the Oasis Las Vegas RV resort, which... Sounds like a fabulous casino, but location-wise, it was great. It was right on the end of the strip, so we were really close to downtown. It was maybe like, what, two miles from the the middle of the strip? Couldn't be more than a five-minute drive to parking, I wouldn't think. Yeah, it wasn't at all. Um, again, really good check-in. We would park at and go in, and then they had like a service, I guess they call it the clubhouse, but that's where we checked in, and inside there... There was like a mini casino and there was a restaurant and a bar and a full business service center. And then they had, um, you know, a market with gifts, with RV supplies. They had one of the most amazing pools I think we've ever experienced. And there's actually a couple of them. One was like a family pool with a zero entry beach access Then there was an adults only section of the pool and hot tub, but there was palm trees everywhere. It was lit up at night. Like it was probably one of the biggest pools I think we've we've seen at an RV resort and really, really well done. What am I missing in Las Vegas? I think what I really remember about that not only being clean and just a great experience and a chance to recharge is that it it wasn't a party resort. It was it was quiet enough to relax, but it wasn't so quiet that you couldn't have a little bit of fun. And I think it was just it was just a really great experience. Mm-hmm. Oh, horseshoe pits. They had regulation horseshoe pits and a regulation bocce ball court, which I thought was kind of cool. And they had, oh, they had like a hall there. Like Saturday, it was kind of awkward because we, you know, they, they have street names like Marrakesh and Tangiers and like very, you know, um, desert themed um, streets. And we were right off the pool area. So we would kind of leave our site, walk across the street into the pool area. But the where we entered the pool, the gate where we entered the pool was right in front of like these massive windows of the hall. And so we're walking by literally in our flip-flops and like half naked with our bathing suits on and somebody's having their wedding reception at the hall which was a little awkward because it was like oh people are dancing and staring at us and we're like barely clothed and this is really weird so we took a different way back but you know these are the types of amenities you're going to find at some of these resorts they have like meeting spaces and things like that um one of the best breakfasts i think we've ever had was at that place i think it was like a 4.99 breakfast and they brought us a huge carafe of coffee and it was basic bacon and eggs but it was super tasty the guy was super kind our server we sat at the bar because they were really busy. And um, he talked to the girls, he gave us tips on like what to do in the area. It was just it was really good service, a really good place to stay, especially when you're stuck in the middle of the desert in, you know, 100 plus degree heat in the middle of the summer. It was a good place to cool down. And really family friendly. You really think about maybe the shadier side of Las Vegas, but this was a really family friendly kind of place to go to. Mm -hmm. Maybe we should talk about and maybe we'll touch on this a little bit. But Fort Wilderness, because we will do a separate episode. I think Fort Wilderness, Disney's Fort Wilderness Resort and Campground is kind of the epitome of that type of lifestyle environment. And I think we it deserves its own episode because there's so much to cover. But what are some of your favorite things about that that kind of set it apart? I think once again, for me, the ease of check-in and setup is really important. That was a really great experience. I think it's probably got a little bit more privacy, it felt like, than maybe some of the other places that we've stayed at in the past that, Mm -hmm. you know, they're trying to maximize the number of people that they can get in and camping. But I still felt like we were in a bit of a secluded spot relative to some other RV resorts. But I I really also don't want to spoil some great stories down the road. Mm -hmm. So 
luxury amenities. So Fort Wilderness, let's say, like they have their own ranch. They have horse riding. Um, they have, you know, the golf cart rentals, which you kind of, I think, are inessential if you want to see the entirety of the campground because it's that big. They have cabins. They have, you know, uh, marshmallow roasting at the fire every night. They have dinner show reviews. They have probably some of the best um, gift shops and pools. I mean, it is Disney, so they do it up. Um, great transit links. You are there and you feel like you're in the wilderness, which is amazing because I'm not sure how many sites are in there. We have to look that up. But there is a lot of loops and there is a lot of sites. But again, like Dan said, they 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 really consciously try to put a lot of trees between the sites. So there's a lot of, sh- you know, shade and there's a lot of separation, even though you might only be 10 feet from your neighbor. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know if that helps kind of... Here's, li- here's my advice. Without spoiling Fort Wilderness and Disney, if you're not sure about going to an RV resort, but you want to try it out, and you don't want to be disappointed, but you want a pretty good idea that you're going to get a good consistent experience, then maybe this is a good spot to dip your toe in the water and give it a try at this place for one or two nights. Mm-hmm. That Because Disney is a huge corporation, a great brand name, who knows how to deliver service. And you don't even have to go to the parks. If you don't want to go to the park, you don't have to see Cinderella. You don't have to go to Epcot. If you just want to go and try this out, just go there and do that. That can be a great experience just in itself. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe in the show notes, and again, if you're not following us on Instagram or Facebook, maybe do so on both of those platforms. We're just at RV Canucks because we do share a lot of our photos from our trips there. And certainly as we head into the next four episodes of our Route 66 journey and how we did that in such a short time frame, we will share some of the pictures from those trips. So that's probably the best place to go for that. I will put some photos or I try to put some photos when we do trip guides on the website and on the show notes of the um, specific episode shows we do. I try to include a few pictures from the trips we talk about. I will put those up so you can kind of see what we're talking about. I don't know that we're maybe doing any of it justice, but I think the point is like I hear a lot of smattering and a lot of talk from people who normally are like us and who exclusively stay at provincial parks, state parks, national parks, who are like, Ugh, why would you ever go to an RV resort? Like it's just ridiculous. But I think there's a time and a place for everything. And I think especially when you're on really stressful road trips, or you only have a few days to relax at the end of your journey before coming home, picking a place where you can kind of have that max relax, and like feel like you're being weighted on hand and foot. Those are the places to go to if you want to splurge for a few days. I think that's the important thing. I always kind of felt that camping had to be done in a provincial park in a shady site with lots of privacy and a campfire every night. And I really enjoy that. And I think you know from this podcast that we do a lot of that. But sometimes you want to mix it up. And it's okay to go out and mix it up. And sometimes these RV resorts and these RV parks are really close to places that you want to see. Mm -hmm. And if you want to go see Las Vegas, if you want to go see Myrtle Beach, this is maybe just a little bit more personal, a little bit more family orientated and and a bit more budget friendly than staying at a full five-star resort but get the same experience and the same relaxation and just a ton of fun because the trip is sometimes just as much fun as the actual destination Mm -hmm. and I think too like the same could be said about uh KOAs right there's there's three levels of KOAs and before we were like so anti-KOA it's like no that's not camping that's not you know but again everything has a time in place so like KOAs have journeys which are like close to highways which are great to lay your head overnight they have holidays which is kind of like that RV park middle of the road where they have more amenities one we've stayed at a couple of times is the KOA holiday in Niagara Falls and that's a perfect place to visit the 
Niagara region has more than just, you know, it has a couple of pools, but they're basic pools, has like an enhanced playground, it and it has, you know, an outdoor bar and grill, you know, things like that. But then there's also the KOA resort class, which is kind of more trying to lean towards what we're we're talking about today, where you have more like staff activities, on-site food services, meeting space, all of that kind of enhanced level, um, larger laundry facilities, maybe some cabins, things like that. So if you look closely, like a lot of the places that you're used to are going to have those different levels. But like we said, they're not so prevalent where we live because they're not making the money from it all year round. So it's a lot of money to put into something where your operating season is only a couple months long through the year. But that's the review, I guess. You so fancy, Dan. Let me give a couple other random thoughts. We talked a lot about RV resorts, but I want to put a strong plug in for RV parks. The important thing to remember about an RV park is there is a wide range of of RV parks. And one of the things that we've learned, and we'll talk about this in the future, is that especially in the United States, they are a convenient spot where you're traveling down the highway to pull over after dinner, hook up, get everybody rested, eat, cleaned up, and move down the highway without getting off the highway too much. So they've always gotten us where we need to be. Mm-hmm. My other thought I would like to offer everybody is, you know, we, we talked a lot about RV resorts, but we probably only stay there one or two nights in a row. Mm-hmm. So the RV park gets you to the RV resort. The RV resort is a luxury because we don't do it all the time, but it's a chance for everybody to recharge before you make your next bound down the highway. But what I would tell you, and I tell this to people lots, is, If you're going somewhere, you're probably only there for two or three nights. And if it's a really bad campsite, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. You don't ever have to go back to it. So don't worry about it. Just enjoy the time that you have with your family. Take it easy and and move along. Because I I don't think we've ever stayed anywhere where we felt unsafe. Mm -hmm. Probably places we're not going to go back to. But I don't get too wrapped up about having the absolute perfect experience. Because, you know, you've got your own trailer, your own rig, and everything that you need is inside there. And to that note, then I would say remember to go on Road Trippers and add your review. Even if you're using the free version of Road Trippers, you can go on, you can leave reviews. And here's my rule of thumb when you're leaving reviews. If you have a specific issue, contact the RV park, the campground, the restaurant, whatever it was, contact contact them directly and chances are they're going to make it right for you. If you have an overall opinion on it, whether it's good or bad, or maybe you wouldn't return and why, but it's not targeted to a specific negative incident, then that's the type of things you're going to put on the review because that's what people are going to find helpful. They don't want to hear like one person in the office was rude to you on this specific day. Like if if you wouldn't go back there, what what is it about the amenities? What is it about the location, the noise level that would make you not go back? So that's kind of my rule of thumb for uh, reviews because I certainly, I rely on them heavily. I know when I'm when I'm traveling or I'm planning a trip. And maybe just tell people why you stayed at that place. There mm-hmm. were places we've stayed for, for 12 hours. We pulled in at eight o'clock at night and we left at eight in the morning and that's what we needed. Mm-hmm. And it was absolutely perfect for what we needed. So tell people what you needed because I rely on those reviews as well. And if somebody says it's great for one overnight stay and it's quick off the highway, mm-hmm. I'm taking it. Yeah, absolutely. So that's it. RV resorts for Canadians. And yeah. uh Tune in next week as we embark on our four episode journey down Route 66. This was a 10,000 plus kilometer journey that we did in roughly three weeks. It was a lot of miles to travel. So we're going to break it into four sections and just kind of give you a quick overview of uh, where we went, how we planned it, what kind of what timings we did every day um, on the road and what sort of things we saw. Yep. Just push your boundaries when you're making your plans this winter and try something new next year. Just go somewhere different because Mm -hmm. it's 
at the end of the day, if you didn't like it, who cares? You were only there for two nights anyways. Well said. And on that note, we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.